Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, as mentioned, you guys, we're going to be doing a two-part series. I'm sharing this morning, kicking it off. Next week, we have Jacques sharing. So he's bringing in the reinforcements next week, cleaning up any mess that I make today. Jacques, is that, that's part of the plan, you guys. So make sure you're back again next week, and you'll probably hear the better part of the series. But who can remember this film? The Born Identity. A great film, a great series, uh, a, gr- a great three-part three uh, movie series. But the first one, The Born Identity. Matt Damon, Jason Bourne, is salvaged near death from the ocean by a fishing boat. And when he recuperates, he suffers from total amnesia. He totally can't remember who he is and how he ended up there. He can't remember a thing. Does that sound like anyone at about 9.30 p.m. at night? <laughs> 9.30 p.m. at night, sometimes I feel like, why did I walk into this room? Why did I open the fridge door again? That is often me of a night time. But this is, this is him. And he has a range, though, of extraordinary talents and skills, especially when it comes to self-defense. But he goes on a journey of trying to remember and find out his past and find out how that then has influenced his present. Just imagine if that was you. Imagine if you left this service today and you knew your past, you knew your present, you got dreams and plans for the future, but then something dramatic happens to you where your memory and your identity is erased. You can't remember a thing. You can't remember who you are. You've got no recollection. But that's exactly what Satan and the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your identity. And there is a spiritual war going on for your identity. Do you know that? And what Satan likes to do is to pervert your identity, distort your identity, or destroy your identity. Let me say it again. Pervert your identity, destroy your identity, or make sure that he can distort it. And... If he wants to hurt, if he wants to hurt you, or if someone wants to hurt you, they'll go after what you love, won't they? They'll go after what you value. And Satan knows this. So what he does, he goes after the sons and daughters of God because he knows if he can ruin their identity, he's going to hurt God. His plan has succeeded in hurting a heavenly father when he sees sons and daughters who have lost their identity and lost their purpose. So... With a warped identity, you will have a warped purpose in life. And I'm sure you're all aware of the cultural scene that is taking place in our world. The struggle for identity. People asking, who am I? Where do I fit into this whole thing called life? What am I here for? And it's a huge question, isn't it? It's a huge question. But we can offer an answer through Jesus the cross, can't we? So, if you get nothing out of my message this morning, this is the one point I want you to get. A clear identity translates to a clear purpose. Clear identity, clear purpose. Clear identity, clear purpose. Clear identity, clear purpose. You know, you look in the Bible, full 
of stories where God spoke to people about their identity before they ever went on to conquer to, uh, or lead a, lead a victory in any circumstance. God challenged them and met them where, uh, right at the beginning with their identity. Look at Gideon. He calls him a man of valor. Even before Gideon has done a thing and he's hiding in a wine press for goodness sake. Scared as anything. Look at Peter, the rock. He changes his name from Simon, meaning reed, to Peter, a rock. And so he challenged Peter with his identity. And he will do the exact same thing for us. Clear identity, clear purpose. When Lizzie and I uh, were applying for visas to move to Singapore, we didn't have to complete one set of fingerprints. We had to complete five, five fingerprints to get that visa approved for our biometric um, data. They had to collect those five fingerprints. And so this morning, I want to share with you the five fingerprints of identity. So let's launch in. Let's do this, people. Let's go right here to 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10. This is the main scripture for this morning. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what we're going to do is look at this passage of Scripture because it gives us five identities. Do you know that? First one. You're chosen. The second one, it tells you that you're a royal priesthood. The third one, that you are holy. The fourth one, you're a special possession. The fifth one, you have received mercy. These fingerprints are packed with significance of who God created you to be. So here we go. Number one, chosen. Who has been picked last for a team before? Anyone been picked last for a team of some sort? Ah, There we go. You know how it feels, the shame, the embarrassment that comes with it, don't you? It doesn't feel good. But when you are one of the people that is picked first, you feel pretty good about yourself, don't you? That chosen face comes upon you. And I see this when I teach PE. Some kids get picked first and they can't help but chest out, a bit of a muscle flex, turning around looking at the other kids that are still waiting back there to be picked. Thank you. That's how they feel. These, often when I see kids who are picked first, and they can't help but express it. But they get chosen. It's like that, isn't it? When you get chosen for something, chosen for a promo- promotion, chosen in an incredible result of some sort that you maybe got, chosen by a special partner, it feels fantastic being chosen. And when you're not, when you're not chosen, when you're one of the just entrails at the end, you can feel like a failure, can't you? I remember coming last in a science test in year seven, and the teacher made us sit in order based on our results. So I had to sit at the very front near her desk. And that was extremely humiliating and extremely embarrassing, and I still remember it because it scarred me. I'll probably need some healing after this service. But it can really affect us, can't it? And if we let failure become a part of our identity, 
um, it can really take us out and it has a, can then become a stranglehold on our purpose. But I want to look at this scripture, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. There's the identity. And appointed you. There's the purpose. So that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. When you know you've been chosen, it brings confidence to your identity. Being chosen means you are accepted. There's no gang initiation for you. There's no 400 Hail Marys you have to say, okay, to get into the tribe. Being accepted and chosen can only be received as a gift. And then when you know you are chosen, when you know you are accepted, there's the appointment, there's the responsibility and accountability then of bearing fruit, as that scripture tells us. And I love what T.D. Jake says. He says this, he goes, you can only be fruitful if you are seedful. So sowing seeds, God calls us to actually sow seeds. And then we have to entrust him or someone else in the kingdom or something else, some other circumstance to help water it. We are responsible for doing a lot of seeding. And if you only ever sow five seeds in your life, who knows? If you look at an apple, there might only be five seeds in it. Okay, But imagine, imagine the potential for the apple trees and the future apples to come from those five seeds. So it's incredible, isn't it, when we start to look at our identity and how there's also such a connection with our purpose. Let's keep moving. Number two, a royal priesthood. If you're a child of God, you're a priest. I bet you didn't know that, Chris Hughes, did you? (laughs) Why don't you wear your priestly garments this morning, actually? You should have worn them. But what's a priest do? Well, read Leviticus cut this bird in half, take out these guts, burn them, burn this, put that aside. (laughs) No, that's not really our job as priests anymore. But a priest represents two things, man to God and God to man. So you don't have to go to a priest to confess because you are one. You are a priest. How many priests... If someone said, someone said to you, who's your priest at Macquarie? Well, actually, we've got about 800 priests at Macquarie. It's true. We've got about 800 of you in our church. You're all priests. How amazing is that? Every member is a minister, a servant, a priest, and has a priesthood vocation. Vocation means to vocalize, to call out a calling. It means a purpose. God has given you a vocation, something, a purpose that he wants you to use as a priestly member. Jesus is our high priest, isn't he? So you are fully then capable of representing him as a priest. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 to 6. It says this, It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers. He has enabled us to be priests of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Man, gee, I love that last bit. Not under old written covenant that ends in death, but under new covenant. Man, Let's go home. Let's finish there. Eh? Um, <laughs> gee. Um, 
what, what, what can I say about that? You're a priest in your family life, in your workplace, in your university, your school. You are a priest, so own it. Own it. Own that community. It is yours to own, and there's an authority that God has put on you to own it as a priest. Number three, holy. Your true identity, you are holy. What does holy mean? Holy mean holy means unblemished. It means separated. It means set apart. It means um, valuable. It means dedicated to God. So Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Hebrews 2.11 says this, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, you guys, us, have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. You realize that when you get to heaven, Jesus will probably be like, Hey, sis. Hey, my brother. <laughs> Imagine that. You might even do a cool bro handshake with Jesus. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? But that's what he calls us, his brothers and sisters. How amazing. How incredible is that? Here's a bit of a reality check, though, for you. Do people treat you as holy, though? Do you get treated as holy? Anyone out there get treated as holy? Jess Bailey, does anyone treat you like you're a holy person? No. <laughs> it doesn't happen, does it? You don't get treated as holy. But God calls you holy. It's about what he says about you. He says, you are a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if he calls us holy and if he calls us a temple, even through suffering, you can claim that over yourself as being holy. Even in a battle, even in a mental health battle, you can still claim that over yourself as being holy, even over your own broken circumstance. And it's all because of his holiness. It's got nothing to do. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with our acts. It's all because of his holiness and what he has put on us. Right, let's keep moving, you guys. We're doing well. Number four, and with our fingerprint identities is a special possession if lebron james or dan zare if you walked into a shoe store and you saw lebron james shoe and dan zare's shoe which one would you buy which one would you more so want in your possession i mean i did coach the year five six boys netball team to a local school's net uh, title so you know you can put a bit of value on that but of course you're going to take lebron James's shoe. It's the owner. It's the value of the ownership. It's the value of the ownership. Now, if God's your owner, you're extremely valuable. You are extremely valuable. Luke 12 verse 24 says this, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you were far more valuable to him than any birds. Well, birds do a whole heap of chirping and pooping. I'll tell you that much. A whole heap of it. So how much more is the value on you? How much more so? What shows you your value? Well, Jesus gave his life for you. There's the ultimate test of value. If you want to be purposeful, if you want to be purposeful in your career, learn to value what your workplace values. 
If you want to be purposeful in your career, learn to value what the company values. Learn to value what your boss values. Learn to value their possessions. Whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart as if you were working for the Lord. And so when you understand your value as a son and daughter and the identity God has given you, you are able to then recognize value. You're able to actually see value and you are able to put value on people. You are able to put value on possessions even. And so it's really important that we do honor our workplace, our jobs, that we are valuing what the company is valuing. Sometimes, though, there can be circumstances that we do have to take a stand, though, that don't align with the company's values as well, isn't there? And that's where you need the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. Right. Last one, you guys. Receive mercy. God cannot partially forgive. It's not in his DNA. He cannot partially forgive. He will not do a 50-50 negotiation for your forgiveness. He totally forgives. I know. That, that's my little girl up there. You heard me, darling. Daddy will forgive you maybe 95% of the time. But God is never surprised by our shortcomings. On social media, you know, if God was on, imagine God on social media, but he would never post something like, oh my God, that one shocked me. He would never post anything like that. Romans 8 verse 1, So now there is no condemnation for those who, are, who belong to Christ Jesus. It's in God's nature to forgive. It is a part of him. Forgiveness is his nature. So if you have a true revelation of his grace, of his mercy, of his forgiveness towards you, it changes you so much that you want to follow him. It changes your whole life that you want to start to shape your worldview. You want to shape your values, your belief systems, your standards of living around him. Wow, I love that. It changes you so much. You want to follow him and live according to his standards. Can I get the band up now? Do you know... There's been times in my life where I have just followed the identity that God has put me on, uh, that God has put on me, and it's led me into a greater purpose for my life. For example, uh, when I was looking at leaving the UK, I'd been living there for a couple of years, and there was something in me that really wanted to go to an orphanage. Because I love working with children and I love uh, education and I love, um, I just love kids. And so in that, in that se- uh, season in my life, I was trying to decide what do I do, where, what, what orphanage could I go and support or just volunteering for, a, for a, a period of time. And I asked my mum, I said, mum, where could I go? And she said to me, why don't you go and see Joe and Stella? They, their church supports an orphanage in Malaysia. And I was following a part of who I was, just an identity that God had put on me. And when I took that step just to go and spend some time there with them, I actually met my wife on that trip. I met Lizzie. 
And meeting her on that trip changed my whole life. And it only came about though because I was going about an identity thing that God had put in me. And it led to a greater purpose. It led to something that has been one of my greatest gifts, my wife. And I'm sure many of you could even tell stories of when you've just followed an identity that God's put in you. You've just followed a little prompt from Him and it's led to a bigger purpose. That's so often what God wants to do in our world. He wants us to tune in with our identity. He wants us to tune in to what He says and what He puts on us, to who He says we are. And when you start to tune into that, things will start to fall in your lap. Opportunities, moments of purpose. And so I want us to stand because we're going to go into a song. And there's two groups of people that I just want to speak to this morning. The first group of people, you feel that your identity has been stolen. Maybe it's drugs has stolen my identity. Maybe it's that divorce has stolen my identity. Maybe it's that physical abuse has stolen my identity. Maybe it's bullying that you feel has stolen your identity. And what I want you to do during this song is be really honest with God and say, God, I feel like part of my identity has been stolen. I feel this divorce. I feel this circumstance has stolen a part of who I am. And God, I need your help to get it back. God, I need your help to get it back. So that's our first group of people. Be brutally raw with Him in this moment as we sing this song. The second group of people I want to speak to you about, you're a little bit unsettled with your purpose. You're a little bit unsettled. There's not the clarity there that you want. And during this song, I want you to meditate on those five areas and declare them over yourself. I am holy. I am chosen. I am a royal priesthood. I am a special possession. There is mercy for me. And I want you to declare those over yourself because like I said before, clear identity, clear purpose. Clear identity, clear purpose. To start to speak that identity over yourself and then, and then bit by bit, purpose will be unlocked. Purpose will be released. Opportunity opportunity, open doors. Let's sing this as a church now. And if you're one of those groups, I want you to do one of those two things. Thanks. The sun sets free, always free I'm a child of God. Yes, I
children we start at that cross this morning we come to that cross and we speak value over ourselves we speak value over our family we speak value over our circumstances we are priests we are holy we speak that over ourselves in your mighty name amen jesus thank you so much dan thank you for listening we hope you have enjoyed this message For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.